So, Sue, I hear you've been writing about architecture. Yes, and why not? Ar- <laughs> architecture in apartments is very important. Well, can't have one without the other, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think some developers have often tried. So we'll some start. Some of their apartments look like they've just kind of drawn a square on a map. Ah, the and, old uh, back yes. of the cigarette yes. packet design. Yes. Oh, how I miss those days. Um, but you've discovered that uh, awareness of uh, coronavirus and people working from home and, and the idea that more people will be working from home is going to change the way apartments are going to be designed. Yes, that's right. So we'll be talking about that later. And we're going to talk to a strata lawyer, David Sachs of Sachs Gerace Lawyers about how you can have meetings and the new Airbnb bylaws. And we're going to talk about a very interesting new guide that's really for strata managers, but it's got a lot of interesting stuff for strata residents. I'm Jimmy Thompson. And I'm Sue Williams. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So, Sue, architects are looking at the ways we may be living in the future. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's tempting to think after coronavirus finally fades, maybe in a few weeks, hopefully, Mm -hmm. um, that life will just snap back to what it was before the the virus hit. But obviously, that's not going to happen. And people say that there are so many things which are going to be just unrecognisable. And apartments are one of those things. Right. These architects say that the design of apartments is really going to change as a result of the pandemic. Now, we have heard this kind of thing before. I remember reading, I may even have written it a few years ago, that uh, people were saying we're going to have much, much smaller kitchens in apartments because uh, people were just buying takeaway and eating out in restaurants. Did that ever eventuate? No, I don't think it did. I think it went the same way as how we were going to be working two or three days a week in future because robots and technology were really going to help us. It kind of went that way. So what do you think of this idea that apartments in the future will be designed for working from home? And what does that actually mean? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Many architects say that most of us never really spend much of our time at home. We're kind of out at work all the time. We're going out socialising. We only come home to sort of eat and sleep and spend time with the family. But now we've been spending such long, concentrated periods of time in our apartments. We really recognise for the first time what really works about them and what what doesn't. Right. And it's funny because we recognised that the other day, didn't we? We were sitting eating lunch on the balcony of our apartment and we said, wow, we really need a sunshade here because the sun just streams in and makes us really hot. And I guess we've never really eaten lunch on the balcony before. Not for a while. Yeah, and I think a lot of people doing lots of things in apartments they've never done before really because they're spending so much time there. Yeah. So it does make perfect sense. The architects say things like balconies were always considered a bit of an expensive luxury. Really, right. You know, if people could save a bit of money by not having a balcony, then they would say, OK, we won't have a balcony in favour of, you know, maybe an extra bedroom. But now they realise balconies are really important. Access to sunlight and fresh air, the, the importance of that can't be overstated. Mm. And I think that's possibly right, too. And as well, people are working more from home now. And it's conceivable they'll be working from home much more in the future because, right. you know, companies... Because you th- because we won't just go back to the way things work. No, companies have seen that they can work perfectly effectively 
without hiring huge tracts of commercial real estate. So many people will be working from home maybe just a couple of days a week or maybe they'll do a week at home and then a week in the office. They'll, they'll have some kind of rotation system. Oh, yeah. So we do really need a place to work in the home. But it's not just about places to work. It's not just about having uh, a little study area, like a proper study area rather than a converted cupboard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a it nice is. area to it work. Is. But it's not just that, is it? Because if, especially if more than one person in the household is working from home, there's a whole kind of social emotional aspect to this too. That's right. People just need more space than they actually really needed before. One of the things that they say is going to become really popular is two-story apartments. Right. Um, I mean, I live in a one-story apartment, or yeah, everything's on flat. one level, and I love yeah. that. In yeah. a house, I used to hate having to go up and stairs, downstairs all the time, and there were always piles of clothes and things at the bottom of the stairs waiting to go up, and piles of toys at the top waiting to come down. Yeah. But they say the two-story apartments of the future will be exactly the same space. Yeah. But because it's ordered differently, you know, somebody can sit and work from from upstairs and somebody can sit down and work from downstairs and there's right. actual physical separation. Right. Um, so that's kind of interesting because, you know, up until now, two-storey apartments haven't been all that exciting, I don't think. No, I mean, it, it, look, uh, the first thing that occurs to me is that there's a stair in there somewhere <laughs> which takes up a bit of space. Um, but, you know, it does – the separation thing um, – does make sense. And in fact, our friends Warren and Therese, who we spoke to last week, one of the reasons they chose the apartment that they chose was because it had bedrooms at either end and the living space in the middle with a terrace. And that sounds, you know, and if one of those bedrooms is actually an office, then that really makes sense that you're you're stepping away from your daily life into your working life physically. So. That's right, because any couples who have ever tried working in a study together <laughs> um, will know how much friction that can cause. So mm. if you can work at opposite ends of the apartment, that's fantastic. And if you can have a proper study area or even a study where you can close the door, all the better. Mm. Um, and a study with some good light, you know, maybe near a window, whereas before a lot of us have made do with kind of a little study nook in the corner and it's really dark and you've only got room to put a little bit of a table and a bad chair. But you kind of need a good chair if you're going to work from home. You need a proper desk because working at a dining table is really no good. Well, the seat's not the right height for a start. No, and they weren't, they're not designed for you sitting there for eight hours a day working. They're, they're there for a couple of hours for you to eat and have a chat to the family or to friends. Yeah, that's one of my issues with hotel rooms. Um, you know, you, get, you go in the hotel room, you say, oh, look, there's a desk and there's a chair, but then the chair is not meant to sit at the desk. So you sit trying to work with your chin on the desk area because the seat's too low. <laughs> Well, I guess, you know, in this time of COVID-19, a lot of people are sitting on their couches working on the coffee table. Yeah. And that is really, really bad because you're just completely hunched over. Yeah. And there'll probably be, you know, a huge number of um, injuries in the future, maybe work claims for injuries. It's a good... Well, yeah, can you claim for work in your own home? You can. You can. Can you? Yes, and um, employers are still legally responsible. Oh, even though you're sitting at home? Yes. If you're working for them... They have to, oh, right. Yeah, because they're meant to actually either physically inspect your workspace when they send you home 
or, you know, get you to take photos of it right. or let them see it on a Zoom conference or something. And they're meant to say to you, no, no, your your desk is at the wrong height. You can't work on that little laptop. We'll give you a proper laptop because it's, you know, not working very well for you. Right. That kind of stuff. And they're actually liable for that. Okay. So uh, you can fully expect somebody to come around and say, sit up straight and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you could have an app to say that, which would be a good thing. Actually, I heard a really good thing on a a UK podcast. Um, somebody, it was a, a fitness guy uh, who was telling people about working from home. And he said, you should set an alarm, like on your watch or something, every 45 minutes and sit up and imagine you have an orange between your shoulder blades and then just sit there and try to imagine squeezing the juice out of that orange. And for listeners, that's exactly what Jimmy is doing that's at the moment. Exactly what but I'm without doing. the orange. But there is no orange. <laughs> but my scapula or whatever it is back there, they're, they're squeezed back. And it actually does make a difference, makes a huge difference. And are you doing it every hour? Every 45 or? minutes, maybe every two or three hours. That's not bad. It's not bad at yeah. all. I've got one of those watches that every so often it buzzes and says, move. So does mine, but I just ignore it. You just it. ignore yeah. it, yeah. Well, I use that as my uh, reminder to squeeze an orange with my... That's pretty good. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, when they're working from home as well, they're realising they have to sort of stand up and move around a bit too occasionally. Yeah. And then we're looking at how important things like maybe balconies or also courtyards and little courtyard gardens are, mm. communal areas for apartment buildings. Yep. I went to an apartment building the other day which had a fantastic communal garden and they had tables and chairs and there were a lot of people sitting at the different tables and chairs right. with their computers working. And that's a fantastic resource, really. Mm. Especially if the building has its own Wi-Fi. Oh, absolutely. That would be terrific. I know mm. a lot of them don't, but... Uh, it's such a. It's almost like an essential these days, isn't it? Well, that's right. Because I think in the past people have said, "Oh, well, look, I want to download something, but I'll download it when I go to the office." But now they'll be saying, "Well, no, I need to download it from home." Yeah. So most developers will be thinking, "Well, a high-speed Wi-Fi is really an essential service now with apartment buildings." And lots of buyers are going now and saying, are you going to provide high-speed Wi-Fi? Because if you're not, I'm not going to buy. Because yeah. it's suddenly incredibly important. But it's interesting that uh, NBN has been running ads saying that they have increased the bandwidth that they have provided to the people that you actually get your, your broadband from, from the, to the distributors. They've increased it by 20%. They've said, we've done our bit. We've increased it by 20%. So if your modem speeds your internet speeds have gone down, don't blame NBN. Blame whoever it is that provides you. Maybe you've got a package that was nice and cheap and doesn't have very much power behind it. Everybody needs. I think everybody probably needs to upgrade. And it's funny, isn't it? When 9-11 happened, we were all kind of predicting the, the absolute worst. It was, it was kind of the end of life as we knew it, I think. Yeah. And one of the things that really worried me was all the rumours that the internet was going to be finished. Mm. We'd never have any internet anymore. Yeah. And I felt, how, how terrible that I could be so worried about that when there was such terrible things. devastation yeah, and yeah. loss of life. But that was a, a, a real concern. And I think when we all started working from home, I did actually think, what happens if the internet slows down so much from all this extra demand and it actually judders to a halt? Because yeah. we've become so dependent on it now. Yeah. In every single way. Yeah, I think Google are developing uh, software that identifies kitten videos. And when the internet gets overcrowded, they just cut, <laughs> cut out all the kitten videos. 
<laughs> and everything moves much faster after that. I bet. It probably accounts for about 20%. Mind you, doesn't pornography count for 85% or something for the internet use? Something I incredible. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Of course you wouldn't. But I do know that when uh, the virus hit Italy, one of the big pornography sites offered free porn to people who were forced to stay at home. (laughs) (laughs) All right. When we come back, we're going to talk to David Sachs, a specialist strata lawyer, who uh, is one of our sponsors, uh, which is Sachs Girachi Lawyers. And we're going to talk about how to have a meeting when you shouldn't be having meetings. And... uh, what to do if you need to pass the new bylaw on Airbnb. That's after this. We're back and we're joined by David Sachs of Sachs Girachi Lawyers. The sound quality on this won't be exactly the same as before because we're not actually joined by him. He's sitting in his home somewhere and we're sitting in our office here and we're joined together by the marvels of Zoom. Hello, David. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm here with Sue. Hi, David. Hi. Hello, Sue. Hi. So for a couple of weeks now, we've been able to pass bylaws in New South Wales restricting the ability of owners to run short-term holiday lets like Airbnb in their blocks. Have you had people queuing up at a safe distance outside your office to get new bylaws? Um, no, but they uh, come in from time to time. But I wouldn't say we, there has definitely not been a deluge at all. Right. So is it, there's, is it, I guess it's a, I suppose it's a function of the coronavirus thing that people have got other things on their minds at the moment. I think so. I think inevitably that owners corporations need to have meetings to do things and meetings is one of the things that coronavirus has stopped. So they're kind of forced to be silent to a degree. Right. So I guess for many years, some strata managers and strata lawyers have said that schemes need their own tailor-made bylaws. Yet now there are a few off-the-peg Airbnb bylaws being marketed. What do you think of them? Well, like any of these things, um, most legal documents are precedents and all they need to do is be tailored to particular requirements that an owner's corporation has. Most of the time, an off-the-peg bylaw should be fine for a standard sort of situation Um, but people need to turn their minds to exactly what it is that they want to happen within their strata scheme and make sure that if that if they have particular requirements they're described to the lawyer and the lawyer can make adjustments to the bylaw accordingly what kind of particular requirements would they be well if if there are some special you know if there are some facilities pools and gyms or other things where they want to make some other rules around those where they've got particular concerns i mean i'm I'm not saying that they necessarily drive the way in which um, short-term letting um, restrictions would be made but they're the sorts of things that that might mean that a standard bylaw needs to be altered softened hardened whatever it whatever it might be yeah that's 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 interesting because i had assumed as and it's always wrong to assume that uh it was a kind of all or nothing uh bylaw like you could either ban uh short-term letting completely or you had to allow it uh under the terms of the the legislation but you can actually put in conditions is that right but sometimes people put them in because they've got they've got other concerns apart from short-term letting. Sometimes it's similar to it, it is often a convenient bylaw to um, uh, put in restrictions about how many people are staying 
inside apartments, uh, that that can be a problem for some some buildings that they, you know, squash people into rooms and so they want to have restrictions there. Sometimes within buildings, it's a little bit uncertain about whether rooms are these so-called flexi rooms or whether they're bedrooms or people right. who's, you know, converting rooms into bedrooms can come into it. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. people operate businesses and, you know, that maybe that comes to the fore when people are dealing with coronavirus, people are operating businesses so that they want to restrict people who are coming to the building for, for business purposes. Now, it's not exactly the same as short-term letting, but it raises similar sorts of issues and there are lots of strangers about and they're, they're things that the people feel that their security might be compromised. So if those particular things are concerns for owners corporations it's not a bad place to put it all together because right. you can codify provided you can do it in a reasonably simple and easily comprehensible way exactly you know who it is that you know is allowed to come into the building and on what terms so i mean i'm, I'm thinking I, I can't imagine anyone would want to do this but uh, could an owner's corporation say well you can only have short-term letting on weekends but not during the week or would that be going against the the terms of the spirit of the of the new law well i i don't see any reason why you you couldn't do that um things that are going against the terms or the spirit of the new law really is it just provides a backdrop to the way in which people make make bylaws i mean in the end owners corporations need to decide what they want to do and if it's permitted by the law if it's authorized then by all means do it um, you don't want to make bylaws as a general rule that go beyond the legal requirements otherwise you know you put yourself at risk that some bright spark in the future might say that they're <laughs> invalid and, and they yeah. go all, they go out of the uh, altogether yeah, we have a lot of bright sparks reading the, the flat chat website looking for holes in, in laws. A lot of bush lawyers out quite, there. It's it's quite common, I must say, as a person, you know, dealing with strata committees that where they want to get something done that often you'll say, I think you're pushing the envelope here, but you may enjoy many years of the envelope being pushed before somebody <laughs> decides to take you on. Right. Sometimes just by putting it down in the bylaws, you get... 99.9% of people who will comply with it. Of course, you get these bush lawyers, but there, there are fewer of them than you, than you think. <laughs> right. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming that Saks Jirachi does not have its off, own off-the-peg Airbnb bylaw ready to, to roll out. We do. We've got some sort of complicated ones that deal with, you know, businesses and, you know, even ones about Deliveroo and all of that sort of stuff. All how right. people can come into the building. Um, that's that's something that a lot of people, you know, don't like as well. They don't like, you know, Uber Eats and all of yeah. those people sort of waltzing into the building, being buzzed in, going up the lifts and doing all of that sort of stuff. So mm. we've got things that sort of cover the field. And of course, any segment of that sort of bylaw can be tailored, but it's it's not hard to have a, a bylaw that meets the, you know, the statutory expectations and um, is there to stop short-term tenants. You know, we try to keep bylaws fairly short and plain and, and simple so people mm. understand what they are. I, I've read a lot of bylaws that sort of go to <laughs> five, eight, ten pages. And, oh, no. uh, and I've had it. Someone said to me, you know, it's, we're not drafting an international agreement. We're just you know, trying <laughs> to control the way works are being done or whatever it might be. And it's, it's true. 
Because you'd imagine that bylaw about not letting in Deliveroo and Uber Eats drivers would be pretty unpopular at the moment in these days of coronavirus. Well, sure. Yeah, lots of people. <laughs> you do yeah. get, just like you get the bush lawyers, there's plenty of micromanagers in, yeah. um, in Strata <laughs> and they like to be able to tell people how to run their lives. And yeah, oh, I've sure. seen bylaws where there are restrictions on what sort of food people are allowed to cook in there. Um, yeah. in their apartments. It's like yeah. a version of they, they think because they can control smoking, they can control people cooking, you know, spicy Asian food, which, you know, somebody down the corridor doesn't like the smell of. Yeah. There's always there's overtones of all sorts of prejudices in these things that, that people yes, um, you know, are happy to talk about. Mm. And and with bylaws, with Airbnb and, and short-term letting platforms, I mean, Airbnb sent out an email email just last week um, saying to New South Wales hosts shouldn't worry because nobody can hold general meetings right now to pass the new bylaws anyway. What do you think of that? That particular comment just sounds, it strikes me as being relatively petulant. There's plainly <laughs> just conflicting <laughs> views about what's in the, the public interest here. But I mean, it, it won't be long and people certainly will be holding meetings and they, you know, people are developing ingenious ways in which to sort these things out and to hold their meetings. And, um, you know, I've, I've certainly been, you know, sometimes people actually, they, they critically need to hold meetings because they need to, for example, make alterations to their um, levies because if, if you've got people who are dependent on rent and their tenants can't pay and then they can't pay their levies and then suddenly everyone's unfinancial and, you know, et cetera. Mm. Um, those things are creating problems and owners corporations don't want it to be left like that so they're you know they're forced to um, find ways to hold meetings it's just a question of maybe it's where there's a will there's a way um, and there are certainly ways of doing it and can I can I run past my cunning plan for a, mm. for a general meeting to to pass mm. the because because you have to have a meeting to permit the next meeting to be held electronically so here's here's my plan that you get a person, maybe the strata manager or the chairman, in a small room, um, and that does and social distancing doesn't allow anybody else to get in the room. They hold the meeting. It's not quorate. They wait for half an hour. Then it is quorate, and then they pass the one thing on the agenda that says the next meeting can have electronic uh, voting. What do you reckon? Yes. Would that stand up in court? That's exactly what I've been suggesting to people because the chairperson of the meeting can declare a meeting open, even if there isn't a quorum. The, the, I guess the, the, the gloss that I've put on that with people is to say, look, rather than do it as a big surprise, why don't you have a bit of a plebiscite around the strata scheme and invite people, if they've got any particular objections to that course, to put it in an email. Mm. And then at the very least, if someone says, gee, that was pretty unfair and look how we've been sort of railroaded into approving e-meetings, yeah. um, but at least they've got the benefit of the plebiscite and, you know, just like, you know, same-sex marriage and um, Brexit, you, you know, you can they both went smoothly, didn't they? You've <laughs> actually got a, um, um, you've got a majority that, that um, well, people can at least say I was entirely justified in doing this because I had overwhelming support of my constituency. Yep. Absolutely. So that, that, I, I've suggested that people do it exactly the way you suggested, Jimmy. Oh, good. To oh, right. have, this so-called, have this so-called plebiscite. Look, I just looked at the agenda of an EGM just for our conversation where somebody yep. had put this sort of motion, a kind of a motion to a, approve 
electronic voting as the first item in the agenda. They, they had an urgent matter that had to be dealt with in an EGM and yeah. they put this as the first item in the agenda and sort of anticipated that it's going to be ratified at some subsequent meeting. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to stop them because it's my lot owner who wants this urgent thing done. <laughs> right. so I want to make sure it gets done. But, but right. um, you know, I, I think that there might be problems in doing that. But I, I think in the end, if, if people at least agree to it in principle, yeah. then we might end up getting the result that we want and then we don't really need to worry about whether it's ratified or not. But there are certainly plenty of strata schemes that are kind of stuck now thinking, oh, God, oh, we really need to do all of this stuff, but mm. we can't have any e-meetings and we're in a catch-22 because we can't approve an e-meeting. Yeah, yeah, so should fair trading just allow electronic meetings without the palaver of having to have this one meeting first? How can they do it? They just can't. They can't do that. Sorry, what's my? Are you being attacked? No, she's very excited about being taken for a walk. All right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's just outside the window. She's gone now. It's with my daughter. (laughs) I'm just. I'm just wondering. I think what Sue was saying is that you know there's all sorts of. Uh, emergency regulations being brought in at the moment and and I know that strata is very low on the totem pole as far as the New South Wales government's concerned but maybe if they for the time being they were just able to say look just do what you need to do I mean the the thing that you mentioned about um, people not being able to pay the levies and uh, owners corporations having to make adjustments because they've still got to pay their bills one of the consequences of not being able to pay your levies is you lose your vote so exactly. and in those schemes, see that there are there are schemes out there that are entirely populated by you know service departments and service department operators, yeah. and those service department operators they're just you know average investors that are out there that own the apartments and they're under a mandatory lease that they give to these service department operators. Yeah. Um, and then they're, of course, kind of, they're, they're, they're being screwed down by the fact that there are no, there's nobody travelling, so no one wants to stay there. And then they yeah. can't afford to keep paying the rent. But as yeah. part of their arrangement, they pay levies as part of their outgoing, so they can't pay them either. Yeah. It's not the tenant who's being um, affected. It's the, the owner who can't do the voting and can't get things done and so pretty much everyone ends up being unfinancial because they've all got the same tenant yeah david it sounds like your dog desperately needs to go for a walk thank you so much oh, she's, she's, she's gone now she's gone she's she's dragging the dragging one of the kids up the road so. well thank you anyway so much for for clearing up a few things for us uh, today it's uh, Thanks, it's david. complicated people like you say people are, are, are kind of stuck thinking they can't do anything and uh, with a little bit of imagination and the assistance of people like you, you can get quite a lot. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. been educated, okay. educative good talking to you, David. All right, good. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Now, that was really interesting what David said about how some schemes push the envelope on, uh, on the rules and bylaws, kind of like, yeah, maybe the bylaw isn't strictly legal, but you'll push it until somebody pushes back. Mm. Which actually concurs with my theory that you know, I tell people that 95% of the, the strata schemes in Australia are non-compliant in some way or another. They've got rules <laughs> and regulations that they really shouldn't have. But until somebody says, hang on a minute, this is wrong, 
I mean, a very good example recently has been the pet bylaws and, and when people started challenging them and and NCAT here in New South Wales were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you, that's that's unfair, that bylaw is too harsh. Yeah, because we haven't had a result on those court cases yet, have we? I mean, On the appeals. On the appeals against the court rulings that people will, would be allowed to have pets in, in apartment buildings. Mm. We're waiting to hear whether the bylaws were untenable or whether they're, they were allowed to stand. Yes, I suspect the NCAT members, as they're called, are probably doing the research by watching kitten videos. <laughs> <laughs> and if they were, they'd probably be voting in favour, I think, of, <laughs> That's of, right. of getting rid of the bylaws. So, this week, or last week, the Strata Community Australia brought out their 22-page booklet on how to deal with coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Is that for strata managers? It's mainly for strata managers. Strata Community Australia is basically the peak body, hate that phrase, for strata managers in Australia. Um, they, they have different state bodies. New South Wales is pretty good. Queensland, considerably less so, in my humble opinion. But um, there are one, I mean, it's weird because they all have different laws in every different state, but they all claim to have the same opinions and everything, which can't possibly be the case. But on coronavirus, they, they speak with one voice. Okay, and what kind of things are they saying? It's a weird document, okay? It's kind of like um, it's bipolar because on the one hand, it is advice for strata managers and building managers and people like that. And on the other, it's for strata residents, mainly owners, because the SCA kind of every so often likes to give the impression that they speak on behalf of owners and they have an owner's section. But of course, the critical question you would always ask is, well, in a dispute between strata managers and owners, whose side would you be on? And you've always criticised them for that, haven't you, really? Because Frequently. Yeah, the Owners Corporation Network is the peak body for apartment owners and they tend to speak for apartment owners. Yes. Uh, Tenants Union tends to speak for tenants. Yep. And um, Strata Community Australia is kind of for strata managers. So you've been Pretty really much. critical of them for trying to... For just sort of stretching the truth a little bit. Mm. I mean, I think the, the guys here in New South Wales uh, these days... Um, Chris Duggan, who's the chair or the president or whatever, nice guy, smart guy, he's really on the ball. We know other people who are involved and they're pretty good. But, you know, they just every so often, they can't resist sort of edging out and saying, well, we also represent strata <laughs> owners and you really don't. So are you saying this booklet... They shouldn't have included strata owners. No, actually, I'm, I'm saying almost the opposite. I'm saying they should have taken out all the really useful stuff for strata owners and made a separate booklet. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. And actually given it to OCN and said, oh, hey, you could guys, could, you, could yeah. you put this out to your people? Sure. But, you know, it's interesting because they're saying to strata managers, there's a lot of really stressed people out there and people who are, um, you know, they're losing money because they can't work and they can't pay their levies. And you are the person who's going to cop a lot of the flack from this. So, you know, just try and keep everything calm and non-confrontational and things like that. There's also things like they've changed their views over the past few weeks, about three or four weeks ago on their website, they were saying, you, you can keep your gyms and swimming pools open provided you control access. Now they're saying, no, just shut them. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Why have they changed? I think it's very much in line with the way the government 
okay. is moving, which is let's overdo it rather than underdo it. Yeah. Which is fair enough. But there's also things like the suggesting putting hand sanitizers in your lift. Okay. And what kind of advice are they giving to owners? Well, that's the the kind of advice. Oh, I thought that was advice to strata managers. Well, the strata manager can't put hand hand sanitizer in your lift because it's it's your Mm. lift, you know. But they, uh, they could certainly encourage it. So I think it's worth, it's on the, the Flat Chat website, as is everything we talk about. There's links to that. There's links to the thing we were talking about, the change in architecture. The Flat Chat website, flat-chat.com.au, you'll find a link to a story about the coronavirus response and a link to the actual document that you can download. And we're back. Sue, what's your hey, Martha, for this week? Well, I know last week I talked about Captain Tom Moore. Oh, yeah. The British Army veteran who walked 100 laps of his backyard to raise money for NHS charities, National Health Service charities. Um, He's now raised over $55 million (laughs) for the National Health Service. And he was only aiming to raise £1,000. He was hoping to raise a (laughs) 1000 Because he's on a walker, so he's kind of quite unsteady as he walks around his backyard anyway. Yep. So it was his 100th birthday this week, yeah. and as well, to mark his 100th birthday, he also recorded a single. All right. Um, a version of A musical r- record. Yes, that's right. You'll Never Walk Alone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> with a theatre star, Michael Ball, and a, and a choir. Oh, my With the goodness. NHS choir. And um, it went to number one. Can you believe that? What an amazing man. This man is having such a great birthday. He is. And he's apparently received over 40,000 cards from people as well because, I mean, he's touched people around the world. He, he What a trooper. Wow. An amazing guy. He'd have to hire somebody to open all the cards. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, apparently they're all being put into um, the nearest school because kids aren't going to school in Britain. So right. they're all being delivered to a school hall. Right. And people are going through all his, his cards for him. But, God, he's having a good time, isn't he? Yeah. What a fantastic thing. I mean, it's funny. It's, you know, it's that typical British thing of... Uh, you know, in adversity, the Dunkirk spirit and all that. <laughs> it's terrific, though. And it's really given him new meaning in his life, which is great. Absolutely. He's a celebrity. He's a yep. pop star. Yep. <laughs> well, my Hey Martha is less uh, fantastic and certainly less in terms of fundraising. I was just really struck by a video. And, you, you know, I do not spend all day watching kitten videos. Are you sure? Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> but I found this one of a deaf dog. And I'll put a link on uh, on the website to this track. And it's this dog that was born deaf, and it's got another little doggy mate. And when the owners go, walkies, the little doggy mate goes nuts because that's what dogs do. But the deaf dog doesn't hear it. Aww. So the owner puts her hand and makes little two fingers walking signs and and he looks and sees the two fingers walking and goes completely nuts because <laughs> he knows he's going out for a walk. <laughs> oh, that's gorgeous. It is. It's really a really nice. sweet video. Yeah. Well, that's... I to seeing that. that. Well, I'll send you a link. Go on the Flat Chat website, flat-chat.com.au and you will find a link in the story that accompanies this podcast. Thank you again, Sue. That has been really interesting. Pleasure, Jimmy. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.
If you enjoy these podcasts, and would you still be listening if you didn't, you can subscribe free of charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast platforms. As I said, it's free of charge, and that means the podcast will be delivered directly to your phone, laptop, or computer as soon as it's published. You'll find links at the end of the show notes, that's the related story, on the Flat Chat website. And the website is where you go to find the stories we've been discussing today, as well as about 10 years of archives and, of course, your questions and answers on the Flat Chat forum. Just log in to flat-chat.com.au to ask a question or, even better, answer someone else's. Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon.